All right, welcome to Ducks and Pucks. This is your host, Mike, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. We're going to be going over all the uh, Ducks games, as usual, from the past week and looking at some game previews. And we've also got a special guest with us here, um, Jake, from the uh, St. Louis Blues podcast he does. And uh, we're going to talk to him about our uh, last matchup with the uh, Ducks. And um, Jake, first off, welcome on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, you guys came off that uh, really good win uh, before you played us, uh, six to one, um, the previous night, and then uh, you came in in our game. And we thought it was going to be a closer matchup, and um, just kind of getting your perspective. What did you think? Um, you know, the Ducks prevailed three nothing, but uh, what went wrong, if anything, for uh, the Blues in that game? Uh, I mean, up until uh, up until last night, they their their game hasn't been found yet, and. The Anaheim Ducks, they just looked they looked a, a full step ahead. I mean, with, with Perry and Getzloff, no one's containing them right now throughout the NHL. And uh, it, our defense definitely had a hard time covering them. Um, we did have the flu bug going around. I'm not one to make excuses for the team or anything like that. But right. we had a couple of our guys out against you. We were also on a back-to-back where we had to travel. So that definitely took a toll. True. But, um, from the very beginning, actually, uh, I chose the Ducks for the uh, Stanley Cup champions this year, actually. So uh, you guys have one heck of a team. Uh, you guys are deep, real deep. So Thanks. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I mean, we appreciate that. A lot of people are, are you know, been saying that. But I, I like I, Eddie and I have talked about, we've told our fans, too, last season, you know, we were only, a, you know, a point or two away out of the President's, you know, trophy, and then we get eliminated in the second round. So, I mean, we're looking good, but, um, you know, we gotta, we got to finish the season, too. That's that's the, our concern. Absolutely. Uh, for you guys going forward, you know, in this, this last game, uh, you know, we – we beat you guys three nothing in that game, and then uh, it looked like though for you guys, uh, you know, you haven't had Stashny for a little while, which has kind of killed you guys because he's been really good in the faceoff circle for you. Yeah, absolutely, and we were also missing uh, Yori Latera for that game as well. Um, you know, so when you when you when you're missing Stashny and you're missing and you're missing Latera, and then that you got you have to rely on uh, you know Bacchus, Berglund, Ott, and Lapierre with faceoffs. Those are all obviously really good faceoff men, but the whole reason to go out and get Stastny and to go out and get Latera like we did this summer was to have the faceoff wins, you know, because faceoff possession is 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 key, especially when you're facing Anaheim, because that's an extra you know five, ten, fifteen seconds they're gonna have puck possession that you know we don't. So if you lose sixty percent of the draws. You're looking at about two or three minutes time that we don't have the puck. You guys do, you know what I'm saying? So that uh, that 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 definitely uh, didn't didn't work out in our advantage for that game. Yeah, you know the faceoffs is uh, something that Eddie and I have harped on. Uh, you know, on this podcast we've been talking about for a while too, because that was our downfall against the Kings in that series when we lost in seven games was the faceoffs. So they had won uh, almost 50 more faceoffs in that series. So I think, like you said, the key for the Ducks, and I think the key even for you guys and a, and a lot of teams in the West is the faceoffs. And I mean, that's why we went out and got Kessler. That's why you guys got Stashny. And I think that that's going to be, uh, you know, for the Ducks in our division and you guys in your division, that's going to be um, huge as far as how both teams, uh, you know, end up towards the end of the season rankings. Yeah, uh, I, I agree 100%. That was, uh, we had to, everybody, everybody was trying to build this summer to mimic the Kings, you know, I mean, they, they really are. I mean, I'm sure you guys hear it all the time, but they, 
they really have the perfect structure, you know, and they're big, you know, they can score, they're huge down the middle, and that's what a lot of teams, you know, us and Anaheim included, tried to do this summer. Yeah, and they've also got a, you know, obviously a world-class goalie and Jonathan Quick in that too, and and in in our season preview, I, I kind of harped on on the Blues a bit. I I think when they when they didn't re-sign Miller, I, I looked at the pairing of of uh, Elliot and Allen, and and I kind of thought they would slide off a bit. But you know, Elliot hasn't been too bad this season. Uh, do do you think Elliot and Allen are are able to carry the Blues in you know through 82 games? That was uh, one of my concerns that I touched on uh, episode two actually of my my podcast. Um, I do, I do like it. Jake Allen has been, has been nothing but good in the AHL. He's definitely paid his dues down there. And I, I, even when you, when you listen to hockey talk up in Toronto and up in Montreal, which I do on an everyday basis, a lot of the experts up there were even saying the Blues have the best uh, semi-pro goalie next to John Gibson, which you guys have. Um, so. I am, however, concerned about it. I don't. I my my. I don't want to get anybody hurt. I don't want Elliot to get ran, and then all of a sudden we have Jake Gowan, who's played 16 NHL games, and then a backup that nobody knows by the name of Jordan Bennington. You, you definitely don't want that to happen. So, I look for the Blues to make a move to get a goalie. I don't know when, um, but there's a there's a pretty solid goalie out there. His name is Peter Budai. And I'm sure you guys know who he is. He's in the AHL this year. And, uh, no one picked him up this summer. And, you know, veteran, I would love to have him. But look for the Blues to make a move to definitely get a goalie, I think, somewhere down the road. Because I, uh, I think that's going to be a little bit bumpy for us this year. We're gonna have, they're going to have to bail us out, and I'm not sure if they're uh, capable. So do, you, do you think, in your opinion, would you have rather signed Ryan Miller? Or do you think it was a good decision to not sign him, even though he, you know, he struggled near the end of the season? I, I I liked Ryan. I liked. Uh, I was. I actually called the, that trade at the very beginning of the year last year because uh, there was just so much talk about him coming. I liked him coming over here. I was excited for him to come, but there was no way that we were even going to think about re-signing him. Um, first of all, the asking price. You know, he's 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 established. He wanted term. He wanted money, and if. You know, if we would have signed him, then that would have meant Stastny wasn't going to come here, you know, because we wouldn't have had the cap room. So, uh, no, I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he, I'm glad he's gone. And trust me, I mean, the, the front office would have taken so much heat from the fans around here if we would have uh, if we would have signed him. Just, you know, he was so subpar in the playoffs for us. But, no, I'm, uh, I'm glad we've moved on from that. Yeah, and, and we've seen, you know, the emergence uh... – I guess of, of Jaden Schwartz this year on the top line with Bacchus. Uh, but we've also seen uh, Oshi, you know, struggle, and he's only has one assist in seven games. Is it is it kind of bittersweet to have uh, you know Schwartz do so well and then then Oshi struggling seven games in? Well, that's just uh, that's that's what it's all about. Is just trying to find the game. Oshi, uh, I read an article the other day uh, from Jeremy Rutherford, who's the beat writer for the St. Louis Blues. Um, he he actually uh, said that Oshi felt that felt the pressure um, more than he ever has to struggle this year, and it's so much more than that. When you if you watch the games, he's fighting the puck through the neutral zone a little bit. Uh, he's not playing real north south, which is Ken Hitchcock's way of play. Um, I don't know. I it is bittersweet to answer your question because Schwartz. I mean, if you remember right, we we you know he missed a week or two of training camp 
um, because we hadn't signed him yet. So we were all definitely on the edge of our seats uh, because we didn't think he was going to come back. But uh, definitely bittersweet. Once Oshi does get rolling, I think it'll be it'll just be sweet. Uh, but right now it's definitely nice, especially with Schwartz. He had a heck of a game last night with uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks. So. Yeah, and uh, in the in the game against the Ducks, uh, you guys had uh, Pateri Lindbaum who who made his de- debut. Did did he impress you, or, or was he kind of just a subpar debut um, against the Ducks? Oh, definitely a subpar debut. But I mean, I think any rookie is going to have a subpar debut when they have to play out of town in Anaheim. I mean, that's just how good <laughs> those are so far. Uh, he's definitely a good talent. Um, he impressed a lot of people in camp. Uh, look for him to be up this year. I, if, I, if my trade prediction is uh, correct, I think Leopold's going to be the odd man out. Um, and then we also have Carl Gunnarsson that's uh, still working on his hip that's going to eventually be in the top six uh, defenseman as well. But, yeah, back to Pateri Limbaum, great story. He, uh, he wasn't even supposed to make, you know, he was supposed to come in, do the camp, and then kind of, you know, see you later because we went out and got Nate Prosser, Chris Butler over the summer. You know, those guys were supposed to stick around and be uh, be like our top AD, and he wasn't even talked about in the very beginning. And then all of a sudden, yeah, here he is making his NHL debut against the Ducks. And uh, definitely a lot of upside. You're gonna, We're going to see him a lot this year, I believe. Um, is there anybody else in, in you know in the organization you you think will you know make a step up next year or within a couple of years? Some you know maybe a guy like Ty Ratty or or anybody else? Uh, it's um, I think Ty Ratty's been just a, a little bit of a disappointment. There was so much hype about him, uh, and yet we haven't we haven't seen him. And it's not it's not really fair. A lot of prospects. It's not really fair. Uh, to be in the St. Louis Blues organization, um, as you guys well uh, obviously know as well, because of uh, the Ducks being so deep. But you know, it's it's hard for for prospects with a lot of talent upside uh, to crack that, that lineup. I mean, it's just it's so deep. Um, Ty Ratty, I don't look for as much. Um, I know Robbie Fabry uh, was our our first overall pick uh, for the St. Louis Blues this year. He's only 18 years old, but I I mean he he almost made the team. I mean that's how close it was and. You know, not many 18-year-olds make the team out of camp. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty outstanding. But uh, the number one prospect that I look to see to have the most time up this year is uh, Dimitri Yashkin. Uh, big, big guy, throws his body around, and actually had a goal last night against the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, and, and with a you know a pretty good, a pretty decent start so far to the season. You know, it's not it's not a bad start uh, at three three and one. Do, how do you think uh, you know they'll finish by the end of the season? I'm, I'm sure they'll make the playoffs, but uh, where do you think they'll they'll place in, in a tough Western Conference? Um, I, I I look for us to to be in the top three in the Central. But you know that being said, I mean look at Nashville's start. You know who would have thought they'd be leading the Central Division right now at a uh, five one and two and. Uh, you know, Dallas with uh, the Dallas Stars with, you know, Nachushkin, you know, Ben and uh, Sagan. And then they go out and get Spezza and Alash Hemsky. So uh, I hope we did enough to finish in the top three. I think we will. Uh, however, it would not surprise me if we were uh, if we were a solid seven in one of the wild card spots, seven or eight. Uh, but I'm definitely pulling for that top three. Yeah, you know, Jake, uh, even if you guys uh, do end up in the seventh spot, and like you said, you know, you had talked about maybe getting another goalie or whatnot down the stretch, and, you know, maybe things happen, and, you know, hopefully uh, Oshie picks it up for you guys, Stoshny gets healthy, 
you know, I think even if you came in at six, seven, or eight, uh, you could definitely make a push. I mean, look at what the Rangers did last year coming in at the bottom of that bracket and going all the way. I, I, how far do you think, you know, if you guys got in that the uh, Blues could go? Well, that's, that's obviously the ultimate question that everybody in St. Louis is wondering. But, yeah, back to what you were saying about the playoffs, it doesn't matter your seed anymore. Exactly. I mean, it, it got way tougher with them changing it up to, to divisional uh, playoffs as it is. I mean, you guys know, too. You, basically, yes. in order for you guys to, to go to the Western Conference Final, you have to beat California, you know? Exactly. You have to win California. And for us, well, we're going to have to beat our bigger brothers, the Chicago Blackhawks, consistently in the playoffs, you know? So that's that's what's going to be uh, the biggest key for everybody is, is, is let's just see if we can, you know, get get through there. But at the same time, there's still an 82-game season. you got to exactly. make it stop. So, um, as far as uh, predictions in the playoffs, I guys, I really, I wish I could answer that question for you. I have no idea. Um, you know how it is. I mean, every game's different, and uh, I hope our our only hope maybe is uh, somebody else plays the Blackhawks first round and beats them, and then we can move on to the second round and not play the Hawks. That's how <laughs> that's that's we're hoping for here in St. Louis. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of people are saying that in the West about the Kings. You know, they're they're like, oh, we don't want to play them in the playoffs because we, you know, you saw what happened last year, um, and actually in the last three years, you know, obviously they won it two out of three times and went deep uh, in the in the middle year there. What do you think about the uh, structure of the the playoff? Do you like that system or do you like the old system? Um, I'm 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 slightly torn. I um, I do enjoy it. I mean, because it's the best of the best, you know what I'm saying? And that's, mm-hmm. you, want true, you want a true champion. And I, I like the conference finals being a divisional champion from, you know, from each division. I do like right. that a lot. Um, that being said, the San Jose Sharks had an outstanding year last year. And they had to play the LA Kings the first round. I mean, how fair is that? Right, right. I'm, I'm back and forth with it. I honestly think, and I don't think the, they used to do this, I think, I mean, maybe even way back before I was born, but I, it should be just a solid one through 16. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't matter, conference, division, all that doesn't matter. That way you really do get a true champion because if you break it down, there's if you did it like that, there's, there's probably, I would say, 11 or 12 Western Conference teams that would make it and maybe only four Eastern Conference teams that would make it. That way you would get a true champion. But as far as, like, travel and stuff, they would never do that. But right. the divisional, it's tough. I mean, it, God, it's, it, it's so hard. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the key uh, going, you know, forward is, you know, do well in the 82-game season. But, you know, it's it just gets crazy playoff time because you know you're going to be playing your rival teams in your division. Um, that's all we have time for. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Jake. Um, why don't you tell everybody, uh, briefly the name of your show and where they can find it so they can check you guys out as well. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, loose chicklets. Um, we're on Twitter and on Facebook. You just, uh, you know, search loose chicklets or you can go to our website, loosechicklets.com, uh, and check out our episodes there or on iTunes. All right. Thanks for coming on, Jake. Hey, thanks guys. Anytime. All right, we have uh, Jacob back on, uh, talking about the Buffalo Sabres again. We had him on last week. Uh, welcome back to the show, Jacob. What's up, guys? Nice to be back. Hey, uh, glad to have you back. Uh, you know, in this, this obviously the second and uh, final meeting between the two teams, it uh, looked like Buffalo played a lot stronger game, uh, especially in the uh, first 20, 40 minutes there, uh, Jacob. Oh, yeah, they played a much better game compared to 
when we were playing at home. So I think a lot of Sabres fans were much happier with the, at least the first two periods until it all kind of fell apart like it seems to usually do. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and Tyler Ennis got on the board again. Uh, I think going into at least uh, this game, you had only four guys uh, on the team who had goals, and, and Tyler Ennis was one of them, and he picked up another goal. Um, is that still a problem? Uh, even though they, you know, Hodgson and Deloria scored last night, you still the scoring and and you know depth secondary scoring being a problem. Yep, scoring is still the main problem on this team, and thankfully Ennis seems to be one of the more consistent guys that are scoring on a team. I think we've been shut out like four times already, so it's nice to see when someone puts a goal up on the board, and he made it two to one, so it kind of gave kind of gave Sabres fans a little bit of hope there until, well. You know, <laughs> Corey Perry showed up and <laughs> Perry showed up and decided to just wreck the entire defense. <laughs> uh, despite you know the the ending score four to one, I think it was a lot closer game than that. Neuvirth was was actually pretty good for for most of the game. Uh, were you impressed with his performance? I was a lot more impressed with his performance, considering how bad it was in. Uh, well, it wasn't bad, but considering how poor it was in. Uh, first Niagara center when they first played the ducks. So I was a lot more happy with his play then. And I was happy with his play last night too. So, Hey, uh, if he wants to keep playing like that and put some more wins up on the boards for the Sabres, I'm going to be a very happy person. And I'm sure people in Buffalo are going to be pretty happy with that too. Yeah. And, and as we were talking uh, briefly before this, the, uh, the Sabres picked up a win last night against the, the sharks, which definitely helps us out. And, uh, and Sam Reinhardt picked up his first point, so that was definitely you know, uh, a good win for you guys, right? Yeah, a big game for Sam Reinhardt. I was real proud of him to see that he's putting up, that he put up a point on the board. He was working hard all night, and you could tell just from the get-go when his line got out there, they were moving their feet, they were skating hard and pushing the puck really fast. So I was really proud to see that line pull together a goal and to see Sam Reinhardt get his first NHL point, and that'll give him a little bit more confidence going into the next couple games. And, uh, you know, looking at the next couple games, you've, uh, it's definitely going to be a tough lineup. It's a, it's an Eastern sort of road slash home stand kind of thing going on. You got Toronto, Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Montreal coming up. Do you, do you see any, you know, any hope in, in those five games coming up? I see our biggest hope coming in uh Toronto game. Cause you know, the Maple Leafs do have struggles and who's to say they're not going to struggle against us? They may be off to a decent start this year, but I still think that they may crumble under the pressure. And if the Sabres push as hard as they did on the Sharks on the Maple Leafs, they'll be able to pull out a win just as they did last night. So, Because the Maple Leafs are not as big of a team. They're not as strong of a team. So if the Sabres can do the same strategy almost, then it'll come out with a much better result than people are assuming it's going to be. Yeah, and uh, last night Cody Hodgson picked up his first goal of the season. Uh, how big of a relief do you think that is for him? And hopefully he uh, he gets off the you know gets uh, off the mark here. Well, that is a giant piano off of Cody Hodgson's <laughs> back for sure. So yeah, it's nice to see him score. And you can see throughout the past couple games, he's not thinking pass first. Through the first three games, he every single time he's thinking pass, pass, pass. He's been shooting the puck from every single angle. I think he was averaging like six to seven shots on goal in the past couple games. So it's nice to see him put one in the back of the net, and hopefully he can put up maybe 20, 30 by the end of the year. That'll make a lot of people happy, and it'll be really good for him to prove he can be the second-line center of this team. And the the, uh, the power rank has come out as much as uh, 
especially for Ducks fans, we seem to hate the power rankings usually because Chicago somehow makes it above us every year. Um, and, and Buffalo's in 29th and, and above the, the Hurricanes, who are obviously struggling without a win. Um, and, and looking to move up in, in these next few games um, against uh, against Toronto. Do you, who do you think is you know the key for these next few games? A key guy, or, or you know, is it is it Enroth? Is it Neuvirth? Or you know, is it one of the you know forwards uh, uh, on the in the lineup? The key to getting a couple more wins is going to be the forwards. It's going to be the first and second line coming through with goals because Neuvirth and Enroth they can play as well as they can every single game. But even if they stop. Every single shot except for one, and the Sabres offense can't come through. There's no wins coming through that. The only way to win games is to score goals. It's going to be stuck on the offense. It's going to be on the shoulders of Tyler Ennis, Cody Hodgson, Matt Molson, who is still without a goal. I know I noted that last time. So we're all waiting for Matt Molson to put one in the back of the net. We're also waiting for Chris Stewart, who's been all over the place in the past couple games, especially he was all over the Ducks. He had a couple good scoring chances, and we were all hoping for – him to come through with one. So there's a couple guys on the first two lines that need to score some goals, and that's what's going to push the Sabres through for a couple more wins. Um, I know we talked to uh, Connor McDavid last time, um, and uh, they, they recently had a game at Fresh Niagara Center against the uh, against Niagara. Um, did, uh, did you get a chance to see any part, uh, part of that game? I didn't get a chance to see it. I watched some of the highlights of it afterwards, and wow, this kid really is as good as people say. There's there's no doubt in my mind. I've watched him play some games before, but four points, a goal, and three assists. The kid knows how to play. He knows everything about this game. He has the speed. He has the hands. He has the vision. He has everything that a superstar player needs to play in the NHL. And there's just about no doubt in mine or anybody else's mind you would be insane to disagree with any of the experts who are saying the kid's going to go first overall so anybody who gets him they're going to be getting a stud and part of me hopes that the Sabres will get that but then there's a part of me that hopes that maybe we can do a little bit better than last year so it's kind of a toss-up but it would be great to have McDavid on the team that's for darn sure yeah and he's wearing the uh the the yellow blue there so for Erie so he's kind of a little bit of foreshadowing there Oh, yeah, that would be a nice little foreshadowing there. Believe it or not, there are people who go to Sabres games that already have the Sabres <laughs> jersey with McDavid 97 on the back, and I think it's hilarious <laughs> that people are already assuming that Connor McDavid is going to be here. So it's going to be kind of a cool cool season to see what happens and if the Sabres manage to get him through um, poor play or through sheer dumb luck we don't know we lost a draft lottery last year who knows if we come in second last and we win it this year cool that's karma just coming right back and fixing the whole situation and we get the stud Connor mcdavid and we're going to be one of the better teams in the nhl in the next three four or five years hey uh jake i remember last uh week too we were talking about the line combinations it looked like buffalo went with some different lines against san jose and it worked out so i i'm thinking that that's still going to be the strategy, unless maybe the group that you had in the combinations last night, maybe going forward, maybe for the next couple games, they might try that out. Yeah, I think no one's going to try the same basic combinations that he did last night against Toronto. So it, it'll be it'll be good to see if they can continue the chemistry that they had because they were all working hard, they were all pushing pushing the puck nice and fast, and it was a really good solid game. There wasn't any part of that game that I was disappointed with. Minus the goal against, but that was through a screen, and you can't really blame many people for that. It was just a really good shot. But other than that, I think if they do the same thing 
with that. And if the lines start to not work in the next couple of games, switch it up again. Otherwise, I say continue with these because they seem to have pretty good chemistry. Yeah, it seemed to work. And then, you know, uh, Nerve Earth in the last couple of games seemed to be playing better. Do you think um, you think it might be a 50-50 split or you still see maybe, you know, 60-30 between Enroth and uh, Nerve Earth in the starts? Um, I think it's going to lean a little bit more towards 50-50 just because of how well both goalies can play and considering how well Neuvirth played over the West Coast road trip that the Sabres had this week. I think he'll get a lot more starts. I think it'll be closer to 50-50. It might be 55-45 for Enroth in his favor, but I, I think it'll be pretty even as far as the season goes until one of them proves that, yeah, I'm the number one, stick with me. I'm going to play 60 games this year. Yeah, that, that, I think you're right on that. I think it will be like that. You can go back and forth with both. And, uh, you know, I just wish you guys the best. I'm not going to be playing you guys anymore. I mean, a season series is already over. It's only, you know, two games uh, because yeah, of the you know, West, yeah, West Coast, East Coast, uh, the way that the format has been uh, just the last couple of years. But um, I'm glad you came on the show twice this uh, time. We may have you later on in the season if you want to join us for any other uh you know hockey talk and um just wish you guys best of luck in the eastern conference uh, here on out well thank you thank you very much we genuinely accept your good luck and we're <laughs> gonna hope to roll with it and if you guys want me on the show then i'd be more than happy to come on and talk so because i am a fan of hockey in general my other favorite team is the san jose shark so if you want to talk that i know a little west coast talk so that'll be some fun there oh yeah we can have you on for that too as well yeah, cool. Sounds good, guys. All right, moving along. Uh, the Ducks uh, ended up playing up uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets on uh, Friday night, and we ended up pulling out a win in that one, Eddie, uh, 4-1. to one. It looked like the um, Ducks did well in the power play, the face-off circle, and, uh, you know, another complete game, Eddie, um, on the homestand. Yeah, and, you know, Sammy Vining continued to quarterback the power play. Uh, Corey Perry continued to be on his hot streak. Gadsleff continued to play well. Um, and it was just an all-around team effort. We, you know, we haven't, uh, we've kind of moved away from those bad second periods where we we got, you know, drastically outshot, and we're starting to limit teams to, you know, only about 15, 20, 20 shots per game, and and we're, you know, out, we outshot Columbus. Uh, we doubled them in shots on goal. So, now and Columbus is not a, you know, they're not a slouch of a team. They they have some pretty good players. Ryan O'Hanson has ten points. Nick Foligno, Scott Hartnell, they've got a. You know, they, their team resembles most of the teams in the West. It's kind of there's no big superstars it, it, other than Ryan O'Hanson. It's kind of just a, a depth-filled team, um, and, and we you know we handled them pretty easily, which was definitely a good way to end the road trip. And you know we're we're still perfect on our predictions, so uh, hopefully we can uh, we can continue the form just like the Ducks have. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Ducks rolling with seven wins in a row. And, uh, you know, tonight they're going to face uh, the San Jose Sharks, who uh, lost to Buffalo 2-1, uh, to one, which is another surprise. But the Sharks have been on a slide, Eddie. They started out, you know, 4-0-1, uh, and one, but now they've lost four in a row. Yeah, and and that could be at the best time for us, too, really, um, with the Sharks starting so well. And, and I thought they might start like they did last season. Um, but it, it everything just seems to be going wrong for them at the moment, um, especially when you lose to a team who's 1-7, and, and they don't score a lot of goals, and they don't get a lot of shots, and we, we saw that with the two games when we played against them. We handled them pretty easily, um, and San, the San Jose just looked like they didn't show up. 
Um, and they really should easily be winning a game like that. Um, but tonight, you know, we still they're still the Sharks. You, you still can't say, okay, they've they've played badly, they've lost four in a row. It's going to be easy because it's, it's you know no game in the NHL is going to be easy. And we said that about the Buffalo game, and and they have to be cautious going into the, the game against the Sharks. But um, they look like they know that, and obviously Boudreaux is going to be telling them that. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to take anybody for granted, but like you said, whenever you know, especially the Ducks play the Sharks or the Kings, you know it's going to be a battle. So I, I think the Ducks should prevail in the game tonight, but I, I think it's going to be, uh, I still think it's going to be somewhat of a close game. I think the Sharks are going to come out looking for redemption uh, after you know a poor performance last night, Eddie. Yeah, and you know we're coming off a big win, obviously. What we were just talking about with like with the Columbus game and. And you know, just to quickly touch on on how just how great Sammy Vaughn has been playing lately, uh, it looks like we finally got that quarterback on the power play, and he showed that in that game, and he's shown it so far. With you know, he's got seven points, and all of those seven points are on the power play. So uh, if he can continue to bring that in this game, uh, you know, and, and we can, you know, Niemi and Stalock are both great goalies. Um, and we handled Sergey Bobrovsky pretty, you know, pretty well. Thirty-three. You know, when you put thirty-four shots on on goal, um, you know, you're, you're gonna you're, you're gonna challenge any goalie, you know, and even some of the best. And, and you know, Bobrovsky's a Vesna winner. Uh, Niemi's won a Stanley Cup, so you know, they're they're gonna be there's gonna be two similar games. Um, but I think San Jose is a bit more of a threat than Columbus. Yeah, then uh, moving on, you know, the Ducks are going to be going on the road uh, this week. We've got actually, you know, three pretty good matchups. We're going to be playing the Blackhawks, the Blues, and then uh, Dallas, which uh, the Blues and Blackhawks, or I'm sorry, the Blues and Dallas will be back-to-back games uh, at the end of this coming week. Uh, it's it's going to be tough uh, in these three games, Eddie. I mean, you look at Chicago, you've got uh, Patrick Sharp and Kane already leading the team with uh, three goals. Andrew Shaw is up there, too, with three goals. And um, Blackhawks have been playing well at home. So, I, I mean, that if the Ducks are going to lose a game somewhere in this week, I, you know, and obviously we don't want them to lose any, but this is going to be probably one of the games that's going to be tough going against uh, Corey Crawford at, in Chicago. Yeah, and I, I saw that, too, with Chicago being 3-0-1 at home. Um, this is going to be a, be a tough game. They haven't really like, conceded a lot of goals. Uh, they haven't scored a lot of goals either. They've only scored 20, but you know that can change at any moment when you have guys like Sharp and Kane and Taves and Hosa on your team. Um, so that's going to be a tough one. Um, luckily, we've got Monday off uh, in between that game, so it won't be uh, like it's a back-to-back or anything like that. Um, I'm sure Anderson will probably be in goal for that one, unless they feel like get, giving Gibson a nod. But uh, if you look at the schedule this week, uh, you know Thursday, Friday, Gibson's going to have to start one of those games uh, against either St. Louis or Dallas. Um, but they're all going to be tough games. Um, all four of these games are, are winnable, but they're also losable. Uh, you know, these are some great teams who finished high up last year, and we faced Dallas in the first round, and they've only gotten better. Um, you know, with with the Blues, we handle them pretty easily. But how many times, you know, we are we have a great record against the Blues in the last you know eight games we've played them. Um, but it, it's it's still the Blues, and they're still a good team, and and they can they can outfight you any any day or night. So, um, and you know the Stars even Spets is on a roll. Sagan's leading the league in points right now. He's he's one above Gadslaff and Perry with uh, with thirteen. Um, you've got Jamie Benn, Kari Lightning can be, you know, stellar uh, on some nights. So, but like you said, I think uh, if we're gonna lose one game, um, the toughest game I think that we got to focus on is the game against Chicago. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, the way the goalie situation, like you said, I think 
Uh, Anderson probably, you know, will roll on Tuesday against Chicago. And then, you know, sometimes it depends on what Boudreaux does. I, I thought last week maybe Gibson would play Buffalo and Anderson against uh, Columbus, but we saw the opposite happen. So, you know, I, I would think that Gibson would go against St. Louis and then Anderson against the Stars. Um, but, you know, I'm probably going to be wrong. It'll probably be the other way around. Probably Anderson will go against St. Louis and then Gibson against the Stars. Eddie. It's just it's hard to tell what Bujo's going to do uh, with two, you know, good goalies, and, and especially after Gibson getting that rebound win against Columbus. Yeah, it's 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 hard to read into it because I feel like Anderson will get the start tonight, um, and then I think, you know, he might get the start against um, against Chicago too. I think maybe Gibson gets to start against St. Louis just so since Anderson would have started those two games, um, then Gibson gets in there and kind of, you know, makes it a little bit easier on him. And then get Anderson comes in after that back-to-back and, and starts on the Friday against Dallas. Uh, I feel like that that's probably the best way to go. But, you know, Brujo will make the good decision. And, and I'm hoping Gibson, when he gets his second start, uh, can have another good start just like he did against Columbus. Yeah, definitely. And... Uh... Little update too. We had on uh, some injury news. Uh, Danny Heatley practiced with the uh, fourth line uh, yesterday. Um, we got that from LA Times uh, reporter. They were talking about it. So we're looking to see that uh, how he'll do, and um, he may come back uh, tonight against uh, San Jose. If not, maybe later in the week, Eddie. Yeah, I really hope he does come back too. Uh, I want to see how he gels with the first line. You know, don't get me wrong. I've I've loved what they've they've done so far, but. I really, you know, since we picked him up, wanted to see how Perry and Getzlaff could revive him. But I also, I don't want that chemistry and and, and or him coming in to disrupt uh, the play of Perry and Getzlaff. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting situation. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I'm sure Perry will get his. I mean, uh, Heatley will get his shot with the big boys, uh, if not game one. Um, you know, maybe two or three of of his return. Yeah, definitely, and we and we're still, you know, obviously, uh, Patrick Moon's still going to be out for a few more weeks, and uh, Palmieri's gotten on the ice, but only limited time, so I, I haven't gotten an update on uh, when he's going to be back. So we're, you know, the Ducks are still rolling, though. I mean, we've got three of the, you know, quality players out, Eddie, and um, you know, I gotta, not, I'm not going to say I'm surprised, but I, I love how balanced our team's been doing without those three players. Yeah, and it shows that we have the depth that everybody has been talking about and that we've been talking about at length, uh, that we can put players in the lineup and they can perform well. Obviously, we've had the new guys come in, and Kessler and Stoner have done, I think, amazing since they've come in. I love how Stoner's played on the penalty kill and defensively. Uh, he looks at home on the on the back line, and, and Kessler's coming in done well. And even Nate Thompson has done well for, you know, for having a, a limited role in the lineup on the third and fourth line. And, you know, new boys, uh, William Carlson, and Raquel's looked better lately, too. So we've got the guys who can fill the spot, but, you know, Paul Mary's a great player. Um, and, you know, Healy's a good player, too. So having these guys out of the lineup is also disappointing at the same time. Uh, you know, we've been doing another loose uh, segment with our podcast on the uh, three stars and uh, of the week. And uh, who do you think uh, this past week, Eddie, um, are the three stars for the Ducks? Uh, it's hard to place them, really. I feel like there's three first stars uh, and the three guys that we have listed down. Um, so I think I'm just going to, uh, you know, kind of, kind of say the names of the three guys we have, and and then we can kind of place them from there. So uh, we've got Freddie Anderson, obviously. You know, he's once he's he's six zero and zero to start the season. 
Uh, great start for him. He's leading, or he's close to leading most of the categories for goalies. Um, we've got Corey Perry. I think this is a no-brainer. Uh, the streak that he's on right now. Uh, he had four goals this week, so and and an assist. And then we've got Sammy Vodnin, and and he's been on a tear lately too, with three goals and and a couple assists to, to add to that. Um, all on the power play, and and you know he's one of the reasons. Him and Perry are probably the two main reasons why our power play is six in the league right now. Yeah, it is tough. I mean, going through all of them, I know we had Anderson the first uh, you know, week and a half as number one, and then Perry and then Carlson for our, our first edition of this. I think this one, again, it, it's hard to go back and forth between uh, Perry and, and Anderson as maybe one or two. Uh, I kind of put Perry maybe a little bit up there more um, just because he's just been on fire um, scoring goals at will. I mean, we even talked about it. He even had a chance at an empty netter. Uh, in that Columbus game, you know, Eddie, I mean, Getzlav ended up taking the shot, which is no big deal. But, I mean, he's just been around the net all the time. And um, I, I think that he's probably this last week is probably number one. Um, Anderson, real close second. I mean, you can interchange him, uh, really. And then uh, Vatanen definitely stepping up, uh, scoring three goals. And, I mean, he's just been lights out with his, his point shots. Um, really quarterback in the power play, something that we really needed as well. And you put him on there with uh, Perry Kessler and Getzloff, and I mean, it, it's just ridiculous on the power play, Eddie. We're just doing really, really well. And I, I like what Brujo has done, uh, moving Kessler down to that second unit and, and giving it more of a spark. Because when we first, we commented on this last week when mm-hmm. that power play, when that first power play that's out there, most of the time the power play looks great. And then you put that second unit out there and it kind of dies. Um, and then putting Kessler on that second unit and um, has really, you know, kind of boosted that, that, you know, we've got a whole two minutes of a power play instead of, you know, like a minute and then bring out that second unit. So it's looked good. And, and we found out that Vaughn really does have a bomb of a shot on the power play. Uh, some of the, some of the goals he scored with those two slap shots were, were just like seeing eye shots into the net. So um, if he can continue his streak, you know, on the power play, get some points and add in some, uh, you know, five on five points into that too. He could have a really great season on his hands. Oh yeah. I think Vatan's going to be doing really, really well going forward. I mean, especially on the power play. And like you said, I think we had debated about Kessler being on the first or second line. I think you're right. The, the balance, you know, for more of the two minutes, I mean, you could put him on the first line, try and get that goal in the first minute. But then if you don't, like you said, then the next minute, it seems like we're not, you know, putting as much pressure. So I definitely uh, don't mind having Kessler on that uh, second line. Um, one other player that I, I wanted to mention, because I brought it up in one of the uh, game previews, would be Matt Bolesky. Um, kind of quiet, but, um, you know, he's got four goals. And he's actually the second highest goal scorer uh, besides Perry. So I kind of give him an honorable mention. Um, he's, you know, played on the first line. He's played on the third line. He's kind of been all over in the lineup, but uh, he's been given some solid second scoring. And then, of course, you know, he's uh, he's a wrecking ball. He's always running around, checking people and uh, getting in and in, in the dirty areas in the corners, uh, Eddie. Yeah, I think he's the benefactor, though, of, uh, of something I like to call the Dustin Penner effect, where uh, you put anybody on that left wing and they're going to get goals or, or get points. Um, not to say Dustin Penner was a bad player. I loved him when he was in Anaheim, but he's nowhere near a first-line winger. And, and in my opinion, neither is Bolesky. Right. Smith, Pelly, Maroon—they're great players, and I love them. They're physical guys, and that's why they're there. They're to, they're to free up space for guys like with like Getzlaff and Perry, so they can get open. And that's another reason why I'm a little bit afraid of of Heatley. He's a big guy, but does he hit enough to free up the space? Uh, is he going to ruin the chemistry? But 
You know, that that's why having a guy in the system like Nick Ritchie is very exciting to see how that's going to turn out and how he will fit in eventually with Getzloff and Perry um, if it's not too late by then. Um, he's a guy who can hit, and, and he's a big guy, just like Perry, just like Getzloff, but he also can score, and he, he's also, he also can shoot the puck really well. He's, on, he's also kind of in the mold of, of Perry. So having a guy like that coming on the left wing of those two guys who isn't just kind of, you know, um, you know at the backpack of, of the line, uh, right. it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But, yeah, Bolesky's played well, and I, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, trying to be harsh on him or, or Smith, Pelley, or Maroon. Uh, but it, it's it's safe to see, or it's easy yeah. to see on that line that you know they're kind of below Perry and Getzla. Yeah, uh, you know another uh, question talking about the lineups too. One of the fans asked, "Is okay if Heatley comes back, then who who goes out?" Uh, and there seemed to be some debate about whether or not it would be Edom or if it would be Jackman. Um, you know, and I kind of I don't know. I, I kind of lean towards maybe Jackman going out, but then you know Edom. Uh, you know, if I'm going to look at anybody in this lineup, Eddie, you know, talking about being on lines and how they're performing, I mean, Edom has done nothing. No goals, no assists. And and I, I know it's it I, it's looks bad, but I think it's a little bit unfair for him because right. he's been the guy who's kind of shoved down to the fourth line. And I think right. he's better than that. But it's a problem that we talked about it when Jake was on with when you have so many guys, such depth in the lineup, somebody's kind of going to get – the, the shaft and, and that's Edom and he, yeah. he's been forced down to that fourth line where he's got to play with Jackman he's got to play with Thompson and they're not the, the flashiest guys and like I said if you play him on the first line he's going to get points and he's going to get goals with Perry and Getzloff as well he's a limited time on there through injury and of some players in mid game um, but you know I feel like if anybody should get sent down I think the better choice is Edom and I hate to say that I think the better choice is Edom for now if Heatley's the first guy to come back I think they both eventually get sent down. I don't think Bolesky, just because of his play, will get sent down. Um, but yeah, Edom and Jackman, when Paul Mary and, and Heatley are back, and even Maroon, then it makes it tough because then I think Bolesky's next. But it's hard to say who's going to be sent down. I think Raquel, if he's still up, Edom and, and Jackman are the most likely options. It just depends on what you want. If you want scoring, keep Raquel and Edom. If you want you know, hitting and an occasional fight, include Jackman and keep him up. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely going to be, I mean, it's not a bad problem to have, you know, decide who's going to go down, but it's definitely going to be tough when all three of those guys are coming back and healthy for sure, Eddie. Um, you know, and another uh, topic we kind of uh, wanted to talk about too was the uh, the deal with the fighting going on this season. You know, you talk about Jackman and him being out there and he's he's had some fights. Stoner had the last fight uh, to end that Columbus game. Uh what do you think about the NHL and um, how the refs have been handling the uh, fighting this year, Eddie? Well, recently we've seen, um, and with no like ex- explanation from the NHL or anybody else, the, the refs this year have, have kind of been separating fights before they even happen. You know, guys will drop their gloves and then the refs will step in. And that looks like it's kind of a message from, from higher up saying, you know, we're kind of trying to phase out fighting here and we're looking to you know put other ways to police the game and it it's it's hard to judge what that means it's obviously a message come from somewhere that the refs are, are to stop some of these fights um but it, there are fights happening and it's not every fight that's getting separated but for an example when Fanuf and 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 Nginla were about to fight uh, that was separated and then the night the night after there was a fight that was separated as well uh so it, it's it's hard to, to 
to tell what's going on, but you can tell they're they're trying to eliminate fighting slowly from from the game. And what do you think about that? I mean, do you think it's a good thing? Do you think they should let them go? You know, go at it because you know there's obviously times in a game. Uh, even in that Columbus game, um, with Stoner going at it, uh, you know, there was a hit earlier uh, that, you know, some of the Ducks players took exception to, and there was some pushing and shoving earlier in that game. And it was, you know, sometimes fighting is, is seen as, you know, to outside people, they look at it as, oh, you know, you just run around and fight all the time in hockey, which obviously you and I and, and real fans know that that's not the truth. Um, that a lot of times it's, it's, sometimes it's to keep the other team in check. So do you think it's something that they should keep trying to eliminate or, you know, let them let them dole it out. Uh, personally, I like fighting the game. Um, I, I I see a place for it. I, I you know, it's used to police the game. Um, you know, I, I agree with with other people who say that you know there's other ways to police the game with a clean hit or you know, a retaliation kind of hit that's not dirty or, or skill or you know other ways to police the game. Uh, but I like it. I think it has a place. I don't think there's a place for you know tough guys like you know John Scott and. And other guys who have no other aspect to their game but to, you know, roam around the ice, big Neanderthal kind of guys, and and just hit people, and and that's it. Um, But, you know, I I think it won't really get eliminated, which is kind of the problem. I I like it, like I said, but it won't get eliminated until, you know, a catastrophic event. Something happens, you know, a, a guy takes a punch or... You know, and he falls on the ice, or you know, he dies, or, or severely injured, or, or you know, some situation like that, which is terrible to say. You know, I I don't think it should come to that. But it, it, if if fighting was to get eliminated, I think that would be the reason why it gets eliminated. Um, and and you know, really, a lot of the people who don't want fighting in are saying, why wait till that happens? And in that way, I agree with it. Um, we've never seen anything like that yet, and and fighting has been around for a, a long time. Um, but again, you know, you you can't say that, and then say you, you, they they'll come back and say why wait. So that's the the problem, and you can see with the refs um, intervening and before fights start that they're trying to phase it out. Um, but and if you look at like some actual statistics in in fighting. Um, in the league, there's actually not that many fights in the league. You know, there's only about 0.4 fights per game or something, which is not a lot. You know, that's one fight every other game. Uh, so, like, there's not a ton of fights. Maybe 40 some odd fights per season, really, or, or like per, per per team per season. So it's it's not a it's not a ton of fights. It's still a lot, but you know, compared to people saying like they're fighting every game, like you said, people will say that or um, that doesn't happen all the time. Um, but in the minors, it, it's about three to four more times that. And I think, you know, in the minors, at least with these guys are a lot younger, like they, you know, my age or you know, eight, younger than me, like 16 to 20 year old guys, you know, literally fighting to get to the NHL. Um, that's, that's, if anywhere is to drop fighting, I think it should be in the minor hockey leagues. And I think if they're to, and that kind of limits then the, the tough guys actually making it to the NHL, those, those John Scott and, Patrick Coletta and all those kind of players who are just fighters. It kind of limits them coming to the league. If there's no fighting in minor hockey, you make it to the NHL based off of skill. And then that helps sort of phase it out. And then the fighting is just used to police the game, not just because that's the only thing they can do. Um, but other than that, I, I think, you know, it, it, it has its place in the game. And eliminating in minor hockey should be the first step. And if that doesn't help, then they, they could see where they could go from there.
Yeah, I, I agree with you, Eddie. I think if you, you know, minor league, you, you see a lot more. I think uh, some people may have seen uh, that one with Gibson, uh, you know, in the goalie fight on YouTube. You can go look it up, John Gibson, I think, goalie fight or something like that on YouTube. And uh, he, he doesn't even start it. It's the, it's the goalie from the other team that, that gives him a, a shoulder shove, and then it goes from there. And you see a lot more of it, uh, you know, on the Norfolk Admiral team, other minor league teams. So I think if it's definitely, uh, you know, kind of squashed there, um, it, it wouldn't be as much as some people think that it is. But I, th- I think you're right in the league. I, d- I don't see it being out of control or being a problem right now. I think it's fine. Uh, like you said, unless there's some catastrophic, uh, you know, event where, you know, God forbid someone gets seriously uh, hurt, which we really haven't seen that um, too often. So I, th- I think we're good on the, on the state of the um, fighting for now, Eddie. Yeah. And, and like I said, like, eliminating it from you know ahl and ohl whl all these canadian hockey leagues all the american affiliate teams and all that 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 will be that's a good step and i i agree with that but you know recently we saw in, in the the ahl with the i believe is the game uh, with the adrian adrianic flames um ahl you know for the calgary flames uh colton gillies there was a fight and he kind of jumped a william carrier prospect for um by the buffalo sabers and and just rammed his head into the ice twice, and and these are the kind of guys that, the, the how they got to the NHL was was based off fighting, you know that that and that's what we don't want to see is those guys in the NHL, and you know we've seen Getzlaff fight, we've seen Perry fight, but that's it, different. They're usually fighting to to because something happened, you know, some a hit on the a guy or you know to to police the game. That kind of fighting I like. But when, when you have guys who, who get to the league just because they can fight, well, why are they playing hockey then? You know, that that's the kind of situation I'm in. No, totally. You know, that, that totally makes sense, and that's the way it should be. And I think that's the way it's going to be for a while. So I think we'll be good. Um, just a quick note for some of you out there that uh, if you haven't made it to the uh, Honda Center, you should check it out. They've uh, We put up an article about some of the upgrades that they've uh, made to the Honda Center with uh, player banners in the hallways. Uh, they put up some more um, pictures of um, ducks, players, and paraphernalia, uh, like on the 400 level at the arena, and made some really good upgrades. So if you haven't gone to a game, you know I suggest you get out to the Honda Center uh, sometime soon and check out all the stuff. Um, also, you know, subscribe to our email, uh, list and also our podcast. We're going to be giving away, um, ducks related items, some ducks and pucks gear. Um, we also have two tickets for a fan appreciation night that we're going to give away, um, at the end of the season for, um, whoever we do our random drawing. We'll, we'll be doing it uh, every month and, um, all the way through the season. So get on those, uh, subscribe, listen, you know, it's free. All you have to do is um, get on the email list and get on the uh, podcast subscription list, and uh, we'll have some you know random drawings, and uh, you could win some uh, good prizes. The Anaheim Ducks are the Stanley Cup champions.